www.newspress.com. Welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvernay, your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11, and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and at Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. Monday. Uh, Happy Monday to you. Um, This is a a big difference between yesterday. Because I'm wearing a blue sweatshirt instead of a red one. I thought you were going to say because you showered or something crazy like that. No, no, but this is big. This is I've changed my sweatshirt, uh, so I just want you to know that I've taken this very this show very seriously. You 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 took it up a level of, of nicety. I appreciate that. Right. Good news is we're all on Skype, so whether you showered or whether you're wearing blue or orange, you know, no one can really see you, so it's all good. Well, no, I have premium Skype, and I can smell. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, I guess. <laughs> right. So we have with us on the line today Jacob Tell, who is the co-founder of Omnir. I'm going to say it wrong. Omnirocrom. Correct me. How do I say it? Hi, uh, it's Onirocrom. Onirocrom with us, and we will learn all about his company and Jacob um, right after the articles. Do we have articles today? Were you I able do. to? Uh, the first two actually are companion pieces, even though they're a few days apart. The first one is entitled The Unfiltered View of a Chinese Coffee Chain. And this is talking about a company called Lunkin, which is a Chinese startup that was supposed to be a competitor, a uh, serious competitor to Starbucks. And the reason I bring this article in is because, or get, bring this article up rather than in, is because... Um, it brings to light an issue about investing in uh, uh, in uh, non-American companies. You know, America has a very uh, aggressive and robust regulatory environment where you really have to be very careful and everything has to be certified and there's all kinds of information available. Uh, in China, not so much. And what was discovered a couple of weeks ago is that basically this was a fraud in the sense that, number one, um, they uh, made up a lot of the numbers. Uh, and number two, uh, by the way, they overtly did it. They had a, um, uh, an app that uh, uh, you were able to look at to see how many people were uh, going into the store. But some sophisticated investors didn't believe the app, and they actually put people on the ground, and they found out that the app wasn't consistent with what was really happening. And the other thing they were doing is they were uh, charging less than the cup of coffee cost in order to uh, uh, boost growth, 
and then uh, pick up market share, which didn't seem like a long-term successful operation. So anyway, this company has tanked. Now, the, the, the second article, in a way, is even more interesting because what it talks about is the fact that once again, and this is true in almost every stock market decline, corporate executives take their stock and borrow against them at a bank. So here we have the founder of Lunkin uh, borrowed more than $100 million from banks using his Lunkin stock uh, as collateral. Uh, and that was true of other um, executives as well. So not only has the stock gone down, but the collateral is underwater. And now Goldman Sachs has been hired to get rid of all of this defaulted uh, stock to pay whatever they can back to the banks. So you've got basically a dishonest company uh, in a foreign country that uh, American investors really could not, without very sophisticated extra expense, uh, determine whether or not it was for real. Uh, and then the company's uh, senior executives uh, borrowing against their stock and taking that money from banks. You know, it just it just makes me think that when, you know, you're investing in China or Southeast Asia in general, their regulatory system is not ours. The transparency is is not the same. You really need to use somebody that has boots on the street. Um, you need to use a company that specializes in international investing, especially in that region, so that they can actually have boots on the street and, and go to these companies and see exactly what's happening not depend on um, apps or things such as that that could be manipulated by by people in the company. Well, I, I actually take a more conservative view. I don't think that even with experts, you really are able to make an appropriate analysis. Uh, you know, I used to be a securities analyst, and it was tough enough with all the information American companies provide. I don't know how you would go about uh, opining on the financial health of a company that's located uh, outside of America, particularly in, in, in countries like China and, uh, and the Far East. Uh, well, you actually have to have to have people that have a big presence there. And that's the difference. You know, it can't just be um, reading research reports. You actually have to be going to these companies, knocking on the doors, talking to people. And part of it is to make sure that there's actually a facility there. Yeah. So the next article um, is... Uh, uh, an advice about uh, how investors and why investors panic during a decline. And uh, this is written by um, a professor at UCLA Anderson School of Management who specializes in behavioral decision making. And what he describes as one of the problems with uh, people facing a market decline is uh, the fact that uh, there is well, he points out first that there was a study that Paul Samuelson did years ago that said, if you ask an investor that uh, that I'm going to flip a coin and if it lands on heads, you win 200. However, if it lands on tails, you lose 100. So you win 200 or you can w lose 100. Uh, uh, most people won't take that gamble. And that's because the pain of losing 100 for most people exceeds the pleasure of winning 200. And this type of loss aversion helps explain why market corrections can be so unpleasant that it leads to panic selling. Um, and there's this sort of uh, myopic loss aversion that takes place. 
And the more panic that sets in, the more investors tend to uh, rely on that part of their brain that is flighting to safety and is not willing to take losses and does not see the possibility of a rebound. Uh, the, uh, the second article that sort of relates to this is by our favorite uh, author, Jason Swig from the Wall Street Journal, and he uh, entitled this article, This is Your Brain on Crashing Stocks. And um, the Taking a play from This is Your Brain on Drugs. Well, yeah, that's right. It's, it's a, but it's, it's interesting because it, it, it talks about how um, when you are uh, really stressed and you uh, are making decisions uh, where your abgadella uh, is responding to danger, uh, you make up your mind about what to do when the, when the market is open. You'll tend to sell stocks that you shouldn't be selling. When you're in a panic mode, your uh, natural uh, mental processes tend to be hyper alert. And so one of the ways besides turning off your computer uh, is to uh, for sure don't uh, trade during the day. That is, you know, think about it for a couple of hours before you make any type of decision. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 this is sort of obvious, but, you know, we're all sort of, guilty of this. We tend to get involved with a herd mentality. And, you know, he talks about, you know, not talking to other people during the day who share the same sort of fears. And it just just uh, will not only drive you nuts, which you already are, but it will also uh, cause you to maybe make some investment mistakes. It makes uh, me think of, though, Maynard Keynes' uh, 1936 book where he wrote about animal spirits and how the human behavior when dealing with stressful times, especially around finance, eventually can't help themselves but to be more optimistic. And I hope that that's kind of the way that our country is going to come back from this pandemic. You know, I, I, I haven't said this before to you, but, you know, we're talking about this 1936 book that you read. You really look good for your age. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting, <laughs> you can read things written a long time ago, present day. Isn't that oh, funny? Oh, I thought you read it when it came out. I'm sorry. I just was, you know. Just, <laughs> no, yeah, I wasn't around in 1936, but, you know, it was, it was during the Depression. And so when you look at it and you think if, if people can use, um, kind of dig deep and we, can, we innately need to be more um, optimistic as, as people, then hopefully that will help take us out of this. Okay, quick last article, and that's entitled End to Winding of Bad Debts is, has, has been a, a helping I'm not sure how much help it's doing, given the market was down today. But one of the problems that this article points out is that computerized trading, uh, trading that has been uh, essentially uh, uh, computer-driven, has been a real problem in this market decline because pre-programmed -pre trading strategies uh, have, that react to spikes in volatility uh, have caused uh, computers to oversell. So one of the, and this is something that's been around since 1987 with the, the realization that computerized investing uh, can have some benefits, but it also can exacerbate uh, uh, rallies and declines. And in this one, apparently, uh, and it cites uh, Bridgewater and AQR, two of the biggest, uh, admitted that they were forced to unwind trades, which probably caused some 
market decline. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. There's an urgent need for safe childcare facilities for critical health care providers and essential food distribution employees in Santa Barbara County. The Emergency Child Care Project helps match essential workers' children with child care facilities. Here's Eileen Monahan. There's a priority for health care workers and first responders. That's the top priority. And then the second priority is People who are working in the food industry, the grocery outlets and distribution sites, the goal of this is to try to match employers who have essential workers with childcare providers who are open or who can be open and make sure that those children are really well cared for. It's a tough time for everyone and especially for children. If you're an employer of essential workers or if you're a child care provider who wants to help, go to unitedwaysb.org and search for emergency child care Fund. That's unitedwaysb.org, Emergency Child Care Fund. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And if you have any questions, we can be reached at 805-563-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So we have with us um, on the line today, Jacob Tell. He's co-founder of Omiracom, a uh, market Let's talk a little bit about you. So how did you get to Santa Barbara? You know, what's your background? Tell us tell us the Jacob story. Sure. Thanks for having me, first of all. I appreciate it. Um, I assume normally we would be sitting maybe in a studio together. I don't know. Or maybe you are comfortable with the screens in between. But it's nice to see you uh, nonetheless. So I moved to Santa Barbara in uh, 1998. Came to school, actually, to UCSB and... Uh, studied film and I didn't want to leave. So I had to figure out a way to stay in my twenties. And back then it was very difficult to build websites and set up e-commerce um, web stores. And so we figured, why don't we start this web shop? Um, so we did that uh, myself and a couple of co-founders and that was 19 years ago. We're still operating today. Um, Oniracom, a little bit different, uh, 
offerings, but still have kind of a technology sensibility at our core. Uh, you could say we do our best work at the at the uh, intersection between storytelling and technology. When I was looking at your client list, that you have a lot of um, music, and that seems to be a common theme throughout your um, agency. And so, how, how did you get involved in in that kind of niche, and how how did that come about? Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm a musician, and so are all the other co-founders. We're very passionate about music and the music space, music industry. Um, we had some fortune to actually work with an, a young artist at the time in 2001 named Jack Johnson and have worked with him ever since for 19 years. So uh, we became agency of record for Jack. We started by you know, setting up his web and e-commerce um, presence. And back then, when you had like an online community, there was no social network. So it was all discussion forums and and kind of old school communities that we helped manage. Um, and then uh, a couple of years after that, uh, they said, hey, you're doing such a great job running our merchandise online. Why don't you come on the road and, and run merchandise touring all over the world? So I had the fortune of international tour uh, merchandise coordination for a number of years with Jack and his crew. And that's really where we learned the industry top to bottom. You know, wow. one of the one of the one of the things that I found that I'm not really that sophisticated when it comes to music was postmodern jukebox. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but this is a um, web-based business that has now 10 million viewers a day, where they put on um, essentially web shows uh, that now are uh, not only on the web but are also uh, in theaters. Uh, there was one show here in January, and um, He's built a business on the web of, you know, basically rearranging songs from the 50s and 60s and the 40s into today's uh, 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 or from the from today's uh, uh, arrangements back to with the 40s and 50s and 60s. So there is a model for really huge success in, in using the web to sell music. Absolutely. I would call that post POMO, though. I don't know if that's postmodernism anymore. I think we've that's that ship has sailed. <laughs> now how did you how did you um you and your co-founders connect with jack were you all at ucsb together i was about five years younger or still am so uh no we didn't connect through ucsb but just through the community here and through some family connections as well and you know at, at the time it was like flash animations and like i said discussion yeah. forums so the technologies have really changed it was pre-cell phone if you think 2001 people yeah. still had and yep. very few people had any sort of cellular device, you know, which is mind blowing for people today because so much of our lives have been transformed into this, you know, smartphone in order to get work done and social life. The whole nine yards is all wrapped up there. I mean, even 2004 and 2005, when we were touring, we didn't even necessarily have connectivity going from venue to venue, hotel to hotel. I mean, it was a lot of dial up, if you can believe it. There wasn't even Ethernet, uh, let alone Wi-Fi connectivity. It was always a challenge to get online. Now we take it for granted. But uh, yeah, the industry has changed quite a bit. So you mentioned that you're a musician. So what do you play? I grew up playing saxophone um, and percussion. Cool. And so is that originally what kind of sparked your interest in the music side of things and the digital marketing was kind of just a way to make that part of your um, business, so to speak? 
I'll give you a yes and to that. I mean, with the film's background as well, it was all about storytelling. And I would, I would say that we're lucky enough or I'm lucky enough to be in a career that still leverages, you know, what I learned largely in school, which is um, the importance of storytelling and moving from like oral tradition to now maybe more digital versions of that oral tradition, we still pass down stories. So it is, uh, it's fortunate that uh, I'm definitely into what I'm interested in. Well, and I think it's important to note that storytelling is really, you know, over time, it's been what has connected generations. It's been what's connected family and the stories and and really, that is what people remember much more so than if you were to tell them a list of facts. So storytelling in today, I think, is almost more important because we're constantly being bombarded with facts, being so connected through the Internet. And there are so many facts spinning that without the story, it's it's all lost because, you know, you only have you only have so much um, bandwidth to remember all of the facts and figures. So without the story, you really can't can't do it. So really, I think what you're doing for your clients is so hugely important to get their message out because the facts alone people won't be able to remember or retain absolutely i mean you it's funny we have a couple of slides in our pitch decks that show literally here's your brain on facts it's like two areas of the brain light up here's your brain on stories like eight areas light up so the more sensory marketing you know smell sight all the all the different senses that we can incorporate and embed in into the storytelling the better absolutely and so when you originally started Oniricom, what were some of the early obstacles you faced, given that it was kind of pre-internet and pre-all? Learning <laughs> learning what it yeah. meant to, to run a business. I did not go to business school. I did not get an MBA. I had no idea what it meant to uh, have a balance sheet or a P&L. So really from the ground up, we um, we had to learn everything by making tons of mistakes and surrounding ourselves with smarter people and looking for mentorship where where we can. Uh, I, I speak quite a bit at UCSB to students now, and I'm, I'm quite jealous of the landscape that they now grow up in. I mean, there's like academies for entrepreneurship from the high school level. There's the technology management program at UCSB. There's, you know, speakers that come in like myself constantly telling, you know, people how they can become more entrepreneurial. And, you know, these sort of resources just were not uh, as frequently uh, around uh, when I was when I was there right they have a whole they have a whole entrepreneurship program out at UCSB now which really um, is awesome given that many of the engineers that go through the UCSB program they graduate without that business side just like you you went to film school without the business side but here you are an entrepreneur having to learn the business side on the on the fly pretty much you know by trial and error and so, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful program. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you give back. back Absolutely. To because it's so hugely important for those um, students. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KCSB. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. My name is Lola. 
Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I spend a lot of time in my backyard. I feed the birds and the bees. I love my flowers. The color in my garden keeps the pink in my cheeks. I was very independent and thought I could take care of myself. I fell and I had to have meals on wheels. I love them. They're my savior. And I look forward to volunteers because they've all become my friends. It's Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Jenny Garth. Heart disease is something I live with every day. It runs in my family, and it took my dad's life. So I'm choosing to speak up, and so can you. Tell people how it's the number one killer of women. Tell them one woman dies every minute from it and that 80% of cardiac events in women may be prevented if you make the right choices today. Join American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Speak up to save lives at GoRedForWomen.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you're just joining us, we have Jacob Tell, um, co-founder of Oniracom, with us, a marketing and digital agency. And so, you know, Jacob, tell us, what are some um, characteristics that you look for in new clients? I'm sure many um, clients and, and customers and partners come to you and say, hey, we need help. But what are, when, you, when you're evaluating a new relationship, what are you looking for in a client? And, and, and explain to us kind of that process. Sure, that's a great question. So we're pretty agnostic to industry. We've worked all over different industries. I mean, the first decade was all music and entertainment, but we started to work with consumer packaged goods and fashion and lifestyle brands about 2010. And ever since, we've also worked with professional service um, industries and nonprofits. So for us, it's less about, you know, the area of expertise because we will get a subject matter expert um, on the team if needed um, to help bridge that gap. So for us, it's really a cultural alignment with clients. Um, a lot of that stems from their understanding of the value of what an agency can bring. So what a marketing and technology focused group like ourselves can bring to their team and how we can add value to their existing team members. Sometimes they need a full CMO for hire, more or less, like a chief marketing officer for hire. Um, other times they've got internal marketing resources that they just want to kind of beef up and uh, augment with some kind of capability. Um, a lot of it, though, comes down to infrastructure. If they do or do not have infrastructure, can can typically dictate the quality of the relationship. Um, if it, they're full startup mode and they don't even necessarily have a CRM in place to manage their sales process, that could be an early red flag. And so now, is, the, is the fact that the, we have a, a lockdown in this country helping uh, those companies that look to social networks to market? Because in a way, it, it's social networking marketing is probably the only game in town. You can you know see the product and you can order it. 
Yeah, it's a signal noise conversation. There's so much. It's actually signal versus signal oftentimes, not even just signal versus noise. Um, so you really need to make sure that you understand exactly who your audience is, um, not just go through the old bullhorn, you know, shotgun approach to marketing as, uh, you know, the 1950s taught us. But um, you, now we can get hyper-targeted and really understand like these subgroups or as we call them personas that um, are your customers or are your potential customers and making sure that you, you craft authentic stories, something that doesn't just feel like you're in panic mode or that you're scrambling um, to make a sale necessarily because of the current situation. But um, there's a lot of tone deaf social media and other forms of marketing right now where you've got to come out and acknowledge the landscape, the situation that we're all in um, and humanize that connection point and entry point. And then I think you have permission to move on to your, your key marketing messages from there. So how has, um, you know, the, the current shutdown affected your business and, you know, how, what, what are you doing to, to kind of mitigate any disruption that it's caused? It certainly has caused disruption for our business. We've lost um, quite a number of key kind of brand strategy or long-term strategic planning oriented clients. So we've moved backwards, in my opinion, to more, this is what I need right now tactically, like design me some packaging. I need a new banner ad for some campaign we're doing, or can you put a new page up on our website? These very tactical rubber meets the road sort of deliverables are definitely still happening. But when it comes to like, we're building a brand from scratch and we're gonna spend six to nine months strategically planning and doing whiteboard sessions and discovery you know, sessions, those sort of things we've seen a decline and people kind of go, you know what, I need to pause. I don't know where my next dollars are coming or going and we need to um, hold off on those sort of things. But I've been trying to help position the opportunity as, look, now is the time to invest in that so that when you come out on the other end of this, you have some sort of differentiation and you can kind of hit the ground running and, and, and as opposed to just, you know, screwing it to, like everyone else is going to be. So your, your, yes, your business is, in, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> your, your business is in Santa Barbara. Uh, and uh, how many of your employees actually live in Santa Barbara? And, and, and is there an issue about being here that's good or bad? Yeah, so we have an interesting model. We've got a very small core, um, about 10, you know, all local employees here in Santa Barbara. And everyone's working remote and working well. We've actually for about 12 years or more worked remotely with several of our team members because the other part of our team are contractors. A lot of 1099 folks that we bring in as needed. Um, these are some on the creative side, some on the data science side. Um, and, you know, nothing has really changed there other than if we're trying to do meetings in person with a client. Now we're having to do that via video conference or chat. Um, but I would say that also a lot of our clients are not in Santa Barbara and haven't been. So we're, we're used to working internationally, both when we were in the music industry days and also most recently we've been doing a lot of work down in Australia um, in the built environment, sort of urban design and, and landscape architecture realm. And so we've, you know, we're still having to use the same tools and technologies to contact them and, and move projects forward. So not, not a lot has changed. You mentioned 1099. Has the new law in California about uh, contract workers affected you? Great question. Um, so we've always followed that um, 
1099 contractor definition as best as possible. So I feel like we're still, you know, in line with that. Um, it certainly has filled my inbox with lots of HR specialists trying to tell us that they can help us get in line with the new laws. I'll tell you that. Yes, yeah, me too. So, um, Given that your business, you know, you've been around since 2001 and you came through the 2008 um, recession, you know, what, um, if for business owners that are listening, what would you recommend small businesses to doing right now on the marketing side so that when they come through this other, the other end of this COVID-19 economic shutdown, that they can be ready to hit the road running? a great question. So I'd say on the tactical side, you know, keep doing what you're doing in terms of your messaging and communications. You might want to even double or triple your efforts um, in terms of, like I said, there's a lot out there, a lot of noise, a lot of people doing this. Um, be Don't be tone deaf. Make sure that you're communicating in context with COVID-19 and, and that you're not ignoring it, um, that you're acknowledging it in your authentic way. Um, and then strategically, I think now is the time to dust off those, quote, special projects that you are going to get around to in 2022 um, and actually expedite that. Um, work with your team internally and externally to do strategic planning sessions, to use this kind of quiet time uh, to advance forward maybe what often is put on the back burner. That's great advice. Yeah. Um, and and really, I think most people like it, most people old school, like to sit down in a room with people and, and kind of hash it out. And so they're feeling, you know, lack of that in-person communication. But to your point, using video calls are, are what you can still get accomplished a lot, a lot of the work. Absolutely. So now have you seen on your e-commerce side of the business an increase given everybody's home and Really, their only outlet for shopping is online. Have you seen a, a tick up in that or have you seen even that stall out? Case by case, there's a great um, New York Times visualization that just came out about all the different industries that are increasing, decreasing, staying the same. And I was pretty surprised to see e-commerce kind of hovering around what it was in January and February. I mean, with some exceptions, we do have uh, several clients in the cannabis space and many of those delivery and pickup services are actually increasing um, in California, not just in Santa Barbara. Um, but there are some e-commerce more related to crafts, um, food preparation and cooking, not necessarily just grocery delivery, but actual you know, kits for ingredients and recipes and things like that. Things that are more hands-on or family oriented, I would say, we're seeing some uptick in some of those. Interesting. So, so you do work with the cannabis industry, and you're seeing that as a as a tick up in terms of e-commerce marketing. Yeah, deliveries and pickups are definitely. You know, they were put. They were one of the industries that were uh, deemed necessary during this. So, um, that kind of gave permission to everybody that was on the fence um, of, you know, even do I try this for the first time? There's a there's a large number of increase in baby boomer and above audience that are now, you know, feeling comfortable. They're home anyways, they're safe. Maybe they're getting edibles and, and trying that out for the first time for, you know, pain relief for anxiety, stress, which is obviously clearly a nationwide issue right now. You're Absolutely. listening, you're listening to money talk on the Santa Barbara news press radio station. And we'll be right back.
It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And if you're just joining us, we have Jacob Tell, who is the co-founder of Oniracom, with us on um, on the line. And so, you know, I I got a during the break, I got a um, email in from. Uh, new or or somebody who's who's at UCSB, I think. Um, and their question was, "What is your take on the current economic downturn, and how do you see this affecting new graduates seeking opportunities?" I am not an expert at all, so I just want to start by saying that I am in marketing. I'm not in finance. I'm on a finance podcast, so the experts probably know more than I do, but. Um, I think that this is going to be a paradigm shift. I don't think that we're going to come out of this the same um, American nationally or internationally. I just, I don't know. I could be totally off there. Um, so I think um, I'm actually working on a, on a concept for a, a, my latest blog post that is creativity is not a commodity. Um, and so my thoughts are to uh, make yourself valuable by actually being unique and having some kind of a creative uh, offering for this world because I think uh, being a, a widget in a uh, supply chain is uh, not something that we can necessarily count on or depend on in the same way as we once would. And I think that that's fair. And given that you're, you're a creative firm, that makes a lot of sense. So now, how often do you see yourself hiring out of um, UCSB? Yeah, great question. We 
typically, uh, other than right now, we had to kind of pause our internship program because we're not there physically to for, for the oversight during uh, COVID-19. But typically, we've got between two and three interns at Oniracom, and most of them come through UCSB, sometimes City College. Um, in the past, we've had a couple from Westmont as well. But um, we uh, have had some of them move on to part-time and full-time positions, even from internships over the years. And for somebody out there who's listening and, and looking to get involved in some sort of creative, creative outlet like a digital marketing agency, what advice do you have for them um, and to get themselves in, in a, a good, or, or I guess, position themselves to be actually hired? Yep. So, you know, I'm very much a creative person. I like proactive people. So I would say, like, always knock on doors, even when there's not a job listing. Um, go make yourself available and let them know that you're interested in them for whatever reason. And then whatever skill that you have, it's all about show, not tell. So if you're a photographer, put a photography website together. Show the photography. If you're a creative writer, put those samples together. I mean, you can do this with free tools now online and build yourself a web presence even before you are a, quote, professional. Um, and if you're looking to be a photographer for a band, then go find bands in Isla Vista. And this is a bad example with quarantine, but, you know, go with it. Um, go find bands in Isla Vista and take photos and um, put those online and show, you know, do it for free. Give it to the band and do it for yourself, for your portfolio. And, and then that way, when you come uh, as an intern or even as someone out of school to be hired, that you're not just another blank looking resume on a stack. You actually stand out and have something to say. That's great advice for, for for any industry. Really, is you know take take a chance, go out there and, and do something within well, within. There is there, there is one exception though. Uh, before you go to medical school, you shouldn't be operating on people to show how <laughs> how. Uh, Maybe frogs. I mean, can we do the frog thing? I mean, I remember that. <laughs> Neil, just film it. Yeah, exactly. Just film film the operation. Yeah, do a YouTube of the frog dissection and better than nothing. Well, gosh, you know, I was reading an article today about rats and they're actually having like a complete crazy they're they're killing each other off because there isn't enough food in New York City. Wow. COVID-19 okay, well, all all spectrums. Yeah, somebody yeah, maybe think that's that's, that's a positive. Yeah, yeah, someone thinking that's not food. They just can't get along with each other. They're, they're cooped yeah, up there with, with their families. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, back to marketing. So now for, for the business owner who's listening and thinking about um, what would be their, you know, thinking about their next steps in their uh, marketing evolution, how often do you recommend people to, to recreate the wheel on the, on the website? I know. Well, that's a good question. I've, get solicited probably weekly that I should change we should change our website out early and I think to my it's fairly new <laughs> yeah know? couple couple points to that is maybe not the entire structure of the website it's it, in many cases is never really necessary um, if you're dealing with a quote modern site something built in the last I don't know five to eight years let's say um, web standards have become pretty pretty awesome you know 2012, 14, 16 in that range. But what I would say is to challenge you to consistently be posting content to your website. The way that Google and these algorithms um, see the importance of your site is by 
consistent, frequent human generated content. So essentially blog posts and connecting in your social media content to it. Um, if you've got events, you know, posting regularly to your event calendar, which again, in COVID-19 is an awkward thing for me to suggest. But um, the more that you're actually doing by human and not just feeds, you know, not just bots and feeds and automated things, the more that the search engines will see that as relevant. And also the more humans will see that as relevant. So um, I think, you know, investing in regular, uh, frequent content is critical across all of your platforms, your website, your newsletters, your social networks, blog, etc. When, when uh, in the old days, uh, people paid for advertising, marketing through uh, commissions that the uh, agency received from uh, the media. Uh, I take it that's not the case anymore, that your business is a fee-based business? Our business is fee-based. I mean, there are plenty of Commission Junction spin-offs out there, many of whom still reside in Santa Barbara. Um, that's not the form of marketing that we um, that we engage with. Um, some businesses, it makes a lot of sense for. If you're selling widgets online, it could be you know, very good to do that. Um, we're very much about building the brand, understanding the consumer profile, building authentic stories around it and making sure that the content really engages and matches that way. Um, but affiliate marketing does exist still, and um, you know, they're just not, not our cup of tea. And so with your filming background, do you do a lot, you know, video seems to be the new hot thing to talk about in the, in the marketing of your website and your brand. Do you do that filming of, of, and storytelling or storyboarding for the videos and what have you for small businesses? So it's funny. I actually, my title is I have CEO comma creative lead. So I definitely have a creative um, touch on, on the projects that we do, but I have a wonderful in-house video team that does all of those, um, you know, pre-productions like you're describing storyboards and shot lists and everything. Um, sometimes I'll get, I'll get into the weeds a little bit. I try not to. Um, we have like I said, great teams. And by the way, they're all still working and doing video right now during the quarantine. If anyone out there needs to get something shot and we have a great office space that we can use to uh, get headshots done and shoot products and so forth. Got to do a shameless plug there for myself. That's why you're on the show. And so you also do headshots for um, like business headshots as well as videos for companies. Yeah. What is fun, what we had done, you know, pre-quarantine days, um, we've had a couple of kind of Santa Barbara community headshot days where we brought in, you know, our photographers and our videographers and just made it open and free for anyone who needed a quick headshot just to show them our space and let them meet our team and let them see, like, it's not painful to do these sorts of things. And uh, we'll do those again as soon as we're allowed to. <laughs> right. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back with our final segment. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process 
business is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh Team or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the AM12 90 Golf Radio Show, along with my co-hosts, Ross Cope and Scott Dweck. Join us every week as we discuss local Lynx news, PGA Tour events, maybe a little bit of fantasy golf in there. You forgot the FedEx Cup. And we might play a little bit of that, but <laughs> probably not. And then we'll try to figure out at the end of the season who owes the most breakfast burritos. Join us Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m., Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and Sunday mornings, if you're really bored, 5 a.m. That's in the my favorite broadcast. A radio show so good, it truly is the best hour of radio on radio. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Jacob, what is your vision for Oniracom's future, obviously, once we once we get out of this social distancing COVID-19 shutdown? What's that? What's next for you as a company? Yeah, so we, uh, we've been on an interesting trajectory where, again, being technologists, we've kind of evolved along that ever-changing landscape. Like I said, social media wasn't a thing, and then all of a sudden it was a core part of our uh, marketing strategy, you know, seven, eight years in. Um, as such, we've gotten really involved into market research the last five years. Um, it started with social media listening, um, and we went into, like, natural language processing and some other uh, various technologies of essentially data collection and, and listening to conversations and listening to people online so that we could figure out better ways of connecting the stories to them and with them. And um, last, I'd say two years, it's actually become what we call actionable intelligence, a service offering that differentiates us from the other creative agencies out there that just kind of use gut and intuition and experience to do creative work. Now we're actually validating all that intuition, which is still very important, but we're validating with the data. And so the vision for the future for us is, can we take, and we're doing a lot of product market fit exercises, can we take this actionable intelligence service and productize it and actually bring it to market um, as a suite of products? So what's interesting is that you advise clients about uh, marketing uh, plans, and you're actually advising yourself about how to market your services. You, you, you get to do both. Yeah, we call it eat your own dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and so if somebody's listening and, and has some marketing ideas that they want to implement, um, how can they reach out and contact you? Uh, through the website, oniracom.com. Uh, you can always call the office 805-695-8200. 
And then hello at onirocom.com is an easy email. Although Onirocom might not be easy, so I should probably say it's O-N-I-R-A-C-O-M.com for all those listening and not Googling. What is the the derivation of that name? What does Nira mean? In this yeah, so uh, oniric is uh, is actually a Greek term, which is like pertaining to the dreams, dreamlike space. I, I learned this in film school at UCSB, and I loved it. And so we made up the name Oniricom because it's communicating dreams. Oh, that's cute. Very cute. Well, great. Well, thank you, Jacob, so much for taking the time today and spending it with us. Um, I think we all learned a lot, and um, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, we actually have a minute left, so let me ask you this question, since one of the things that you pride yourself on doing is working with dreams. Uh, my therapist is not taking clients now because of the virus. Can I tell you about the dream I had last night? Yeah, kick those feet up on the end of the couch. Let's do this. We are digital therapists. We say that to many of our clients. We're digital therapists. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, Neil. Diane always likes to slip in his, his therapy. His I, I keep telling him we need to get a couch in the studio so that yeah. he, we can we can all get paid the same amount as his bonus therapy. round. I like it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Jacob. Thank you for being here. It sounds like it, what you're doing is absolutely fascinating. Uh, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you next week. It's three o'clock.